Well, good evening, everyone. Good evening. Let me add my welcome. My name's uh, Andy. I'm part of the staff team here, and it's great to be kicking off our Advent series, which we have called Unbelievable Christmas. I wonder what you think of when you see that. You can think of it in at least two different ways. Uh, maybe unbelievable. Could this really happen? God born as a baby? Angels appearing to shepherds? Born not in the kind of place you'd expect royal to be born? Is this story actually believable? Did this really happen in history? Or you could think, wow, unbelievable. Isn't it humbling? Isn't it astounding? Isn't it amazing that God loves us so much that he didn't keep a distance, but he came close to us in such a humble way so that we could know him, know his joy and hope and peace and reconciliation with God again. Unbelievable Christmas. I recently uh, went back to visit my family. We're going to look at a family tree in a moment. If you want to start making your way there, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 1. And I went to visit uh, my family for my sister's 40th birthday. Had all sorts of photo albums out and enjoyed looking at lots of different pictures. Uh, Many pictures I recognise, those in the pictures, including me as a small little ginger boy. Uh, tearing around the place. You could still get those images, even though it was still. I haven't got any to show, Bruno, sorry. Um, uh, But there were several pictures of people I didn't recognize, and they needed to be pointed out to me. Uh, Who were they? Where did they fit in the family line? And I learned some things. Uh, Some of them were from my mum's side of the family. Uh, She comes from a farming background. It was interesting to see that background through the generations, to see some of the importance of land in their story as well. My granny on my mum's side of the family, uh, despite me being a little bit of a mischievous child, maybe because I was a mischievous child, would say that she always sensed that I was going to be a vicar. And uh, the rest of the family thought that was a bit bizarre, particularly at that time. Uh, but she just sensed something as she prayed and thought, and she, she thought that would be the case. She's no longer with us. Uh, but I'm in a similar role to a vicar now. She sensed something. And we're going to look at the family tree of Jesus today, genealogies. There's two Gospels that tell us part of the family tree of Jesus. They're Matthew and Luke. And tonight we're going to look at the Matthew account. Matthew begins by telling the family story of Jesus. And he does so, he seeks to make it clear to his Jewish audience that Jesus really was and is the Messiah, the promised one that God's people had been longing for. He highlights here that more than just one person in the family line had a sense that someone special, not just a priestly role, not just a vicar role, but something special was going to come from this family line, the Messiah who God's people had been longing for for many generations. I believe every human heart is longing to know our maker. But could Jesus really be the one who God's people have been longing for, and who we really, deep down, are longing for as well. And is this believable? Is this a real person? Is it someone more than someone who's just special? And is it believable? Tonight we're going to think about unbelievable Jesus, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1. Now, I don't know uh, about you, if you're honest, if you ever read any of the genealogies, maybe in Matthew, maybe in Luke, maybe somewhere like Chronicles, you might actually skip it over. Go, let's go to the story bit, okay? I'm not going to follow the names through. Let's go to the story bit. We're not going to skip over it tonight. We're going to read it. And to keep your attention, 
we have got an interactive way of reading it today. I'm going to read it. When you hear a name that you have heard of, that you know something about, I'd like you to stand. When the next name comes, if that's not the case, you can sit down. Now, just to say, there will be many of us here who are newer to the Bible. And if you haven't heard of hardly any of the names, that's absolutely fine. I'm just trying to make it a bit more interactive and fun. So we're going to read Matthew 1. Every time I say a name that you've heard of, I want you to stand up. If the next name comes up you haven't heard of, take a seat. Are we ready? The words will be on the screen. Wish me luck as I try and read lots of these words. Some will be pronounced closely. Some, I'm sure you'll have better pronunciations than me. Here we go. This is the genealogy of Jesus. <laughs> Good start. The Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah, the father of Perez, and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Aminadab, Aminadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Solomon, Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother has been Uriah's wife. Thank you, George. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Amon, Amon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconia, and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconia was the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, the father of Abihud, Abihud, the father of Ilikim, Ilikim, the father of Azor, Azor, the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Akim, Akim, the father of Ilihud, Ilihud, the father of Elizar, Elizar, the father of Mathan, Mathan, the father of Jacob. <laughs> And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who's called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Give yourself a round of applause and sit down.
Okay, we are going to think about this family tree today, this genealogy as it's sometimes called. Now, both gospel writers, Luke and Matthew, use them to say something profound and important about Jesus. Matthew was written to a Jewish audience, and so he starts with Abraham, the father of their faith and people group. He follows the Joseph family line right the way down, and he begins by declaring that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah, and he confirms that this could fit because he shows the family tree. See, Matthew's genealogy tells us not just Jesus' ancestral past, but about his identity and about his mission. In three places, he makes it clear at the start, uh, at the end, and in his summary as well. He points out that Jesus is the Messiah in verse 1 and in verse 16, and in his kind of summary conclusion in verse 17 as well. At the Platinum Jubilee celebrations for the Queen a little while ago now, a man called Richard Griffin, who was a personal police officer to the Queen, told a very funny story. Let me share it with you. He was in Scotland with the Queen at Balmoral, where she used to go and stay often. And uh, sometimes she'd go out for a picnic, and she'd always need to take her personal police officer with her. So she did. And uh, they went out, and they were enjoying a quiet picnic in the Scottish countryside, just on their own. And two gentlemen uh, were walking along, and they stopped for a chat. They were Americans, and uh, the Queen and this guy Richard asked some questions. Oh, where have you been? Have you had a good time? They've been to London. And they begin to return the questions. How about you? Uh, where are you from? Uh, from London, says the Queen. Uh, and they say, oh, have you been here before? Yes, I've been coming here for about 80 years, uh, all my life. She said, wow, if you've been coming here that long, uh, have you ever met the Queen? Uh, to which she says, I haven't, but he has. <laughs> um, and uh, he then went on to tell a little bit about what the Queen was like. Uh, she's very polite, she's very thoughtful, and she had quite a good sense of humour. And they were enjoying themselves so much that these two Americans, they were so impressed that they'd met someone who'd met the Queen. Uh, they asked the lady to hold the camera and take a picture <laughs> of, the, of um, this guy Richard with them. Thankfully, they had such a good time meeting this lady uh, that they also got a picture with her. And they didn't spoil the story and let the Americans off they went and continued enjoying their day. And the Queen commented to Richard after that she'd love to be a fly on the wall when they're back home sharing their pictures. <laughs> and they share the picture of the man who met the Queen. And then they turn to the next picture and just watch their friends' reactions <laughs> as they figure out quite who they have met. Now, Matthew wants us to know right from the start of his gospel that there is someone special, someone royal who has arrived, and he doesn't want anyone to miss out on who it is like those two gentlemen did. And I'd like to highlight three reasons tonight why we can say from this family tree that Jesus really was the Messiah and why we need him for ourselves as well. And the first is this, is that Jesus was from the right family line. What do we notice about this family line? What does Matthew want to point out? If you see there in verse one, he wants us to notice before it's included in the family line that Jesus is from the family of David and from the family of Abraham. Matthew starts with Abraham, who was and is known as the founder of the faith, 
the one whom God promised to give a son, and through whom this son, a nation, would be made famous. A special land would be given, and all nations would be blessed. A promise that Abraham, formerly known as Abram, believed. People from all nations being blessed would come through someone from Abraham's family line. Abraham was promised that through his offspring, there would be as many in his family as stars in the sky and sand on the seashore. And that through his family line, all nations would be blessed. And to this Jewish audience, Matthew makes clear that Jesus is from this family line. Seeing this story of Jesus arriving as one big story of one big family is so helpful And you could get a better grasp, a good grasp of this big story by coming along to a series of evenings that are running here in the new year. Maybe you went through those names and you thought, I don't don't know that many. Or I don't know where they all fit together. Or I'd like to know a bit more about that. Well, we're running uh, three evenings called Walk Through the Bible. Uh, Ian Crossley, a church member here, he's going to be leading this for us. It's an interactive and engaging teaching event that uncovers the big picture of the Old Testament, helps us to see how it all hangs together. We're encouraging small groups maybe to come along as a group. You can find out more on our weekly news or on our website about that. It's a great thing to come along to get this one big story. God's promise to Abraham begins to be fulfilled as we trace this family tree, this family line, the miracle baby Isaac. Many of you recognized that name and his descendants, Jacob, Judah, and all the way down to David. Jesse was the father of King David, and David was the father of Solomon. Matthew wants us to notice David here. Israel's greatest king was David. David, who defeated Goliath. David, who ruled successfully and wisely. And David, whom God promised would always have someone in his family on the throne. In fact, the Jewish people knew that the Messiah, the promised rescuer, would come from this family. In 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 13, maybe one more, it's not up there, but here they are, 2 Samuel 7 verse 13, this is what we read, talking of David, he is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. A couple of verses later, later, verse 16, your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me, your throne shall be established forever. Now, David himself was from Abraham's family, and Matthew was attempting to establish Jesus as a royal successful and right heir to the throne of King David, that throne that would go on forever, the one for whose family line there would always be someone on the throne. That's why he includes it, to make it clear that Jesus is from the right family line. The list begins with Abraham, and leads on to David. It continues right down the royal royal line of Judah to the point where its monarchy was destroyed and God's people went into exile in Babylon. So all these names, if you've got your Bible open in front of you, you look at it, uh, between verse 6, where David is, and verse 11, where Jeconia are kings of, firstly, Israel. And then, when God's kingdom split into two, Judah. And then for Judah, they went into exile under the Babylonians at the time of Jeconia, who we see in verse 11. It's interesting that there are 14 names listed in three different groupings. 
Now, you might have noticed as we went through, uh, the last section particularly, most of us didn't know much about. Maybe we read their name before, but we didn't know much about them. Maybe some of us knew a bit more about some of the kings, some of the patriarchs who were mentioned earlier as well. And the layout, as displayed here, of these three sets of 14 makes these turning points clear. You've got Abraham, you've got David, and then you've got the time of the exile. It's important to note that when we read the father of, it literally means a descendant of, and could include skipping a generation or two. Something you can discover Matthew's done if you take a deeper dive into the family tree of Jesus. But the structure of these three sets of 14 highlights three key eras or episodes, if you like, in the story of God's people and how Jesus is clearly from the right family line. But when I say the right family line, I'm not saying the perfect family line. Did you notice the women who are mentioned in the family line there highlighted here? We've got Tamar, we've got Rahab, we've got Ruth, and we've got the wife of Uriah, who we know as Bathsheba. They didn't need to be highlighted, but Matthew's chosen to highlight them for us. All four are either non-Israelites or connected to non-Israelite families. Not only is it unconventional for Matthew to list these female names in an all-male genealogy, but these particular women are all associated with potential sex scandals. Matthew could have highlighted some other female names, some matriarchs of Israel, people like Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel. But instead, he mentions Canaanites, prostitutes and Moabite women who would be associated with Israel's sin and failure to keep their covenant, their promises with God. See, Matthew wants his readers to see that God has been using all types of people to move his plan forward. And so as we think about Jesus being the one that we really need ourselves, we see that Jesus from the right family line, but a family line that includes broken, imperfect people like you and like me. It wouldn't be hard to spot many faults in many of the men in this genealogy too. Abraham the liar, David the adulterer, to give just two examples. Could Jesus really be the Messiah God's people have been waiting for, the Messiah we need? Well, he was, and he was from the right family line. And for the Jewish people reading this, this was essential. Jesus is Messiah from the family line of David, seed from the family of Abraham. His genealogy proves he was both human and that God was behind this plan. He was divine, verse 17 makes clear for us. His family line includes royalty and common flawed people. This genealogy is all about the fulfillment of Israel's story in the coming of their true king. Jesus was from the right family line. The Bible Project summarizes it really helpfully like this. So we read the genealogy of Matthew and see the royal lineage of Jesus. He's the one who'll bring the blessing of Abraham to the whole world. He's the royal son of David that all of Israel's been waiting for. He's the one that the prophets wrote about and the psalmist sang about. He will be the king of Israel who blesses all of the nations of the world, especially the outsiders. We know all of this because Matthew tells us in a genealogy that carefully reveals the hope that has arrived in Jesus. He came from the right family line and he came from real parents. Verse 16 tells us that and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, 
and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who's called the Messiah. So we're introduced to these two characters, Joseph and Mary. But Matthew does not tell us here that Joseph is the father of Jesus, but that Mary is the mother of Jesus. This grabs our attention, as all the other four women listed in the genealogy are listed alongside a man who was named as the father. But here, it's Mary who's named as mother. What we see here is that Mary and Joseph are real historical figures that come from the right family, and we already get a hint that Jesus didn't arrive normally. In fact, only two verses later do we read, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. This story is so out there that it couldn't be made up. A baby born outside of marriage to a virgin, a husband that despite this sticks with her because an angel appeared to him in a dream. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Unless it's actually what happened and has been changing lives for 2,000 years since. Now, Joseph did play the role of dad to Jesus. Adopted dad, if you like. He named him, chapter 2, verse 1. He cared for him and, protect, and protected him, chapter 2, verse 13. But could this divine conception mean that the Messiah is really here? That God himself has come? And for us, could it mean that one not broken or flawed and sinful, like all other humans, including those in his family tree, has come and is able to rescue and save it absolutely could. What I like about our unbelievable title is you can knock the unbit off, slightly different font. You can knock it off and say, yes, this is believable. Isaiah said that a virgin would conceive and give birth to a son and would call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is the believable message of Christmas, that God has come through the right family line, born to real historical parents, arriving in a unique and special way, and he's come to fulfill a really important mission, a mission that is still transforming lives today, a mission that the Old Testament has been pointing to for a long, long time. This Christmas season, we are highlighting uh, this book, Is Christmas Unbelievable? by Rebecca McLaughlin. And it helps lay out lots of the evidence for the person of Jesus in history. And uh, we hope it could be really helpful for those that are asking questions about faith, would like to do a bit more reading for themselves. Maybe something that's good to pass on to a family member or a friend who might be asking some questions about Christmas as well. Uh, we've got 150 we bought will be helpful for you to have or to give out. If you want to make a donation, they're a pound each. Uh, if you can't, that's fine. Do help yourself if it'd be helpful for you or for someone else on the way out tonight. Jesus came with a really important mission. And the genealogy is introduced and concluded. It's like Matthew's underlining at the start and end. If we've missed the point, okay, he's come from Abraham's family, come from David's family. We could have pulled other things out of some of those characters as well. That Jesus' identity is Messiah. And with that, there was a whole load of expectations there for the Jewish hearers and readers this genealogy shows us that Jesus was from the right family line, from real parents, and finally, that he had a really important mission as Messiah. That's why Matthew's made it clear three times, highlighting that he is the Messiah. God's purpose, as spout out 
in the life of David, where his throne would be everlasting. And through Abraham, through whom all nations will be blessed, are really going to be accomplished, completed in and through Jesus. God's people had been longing for one who would bring justice, who would rule with wisdom, and would be the servant who God had promised. And at Advent, in this season, we remember the coming of Jesus, and we anticipate the second coming of Jesus. The mission of Jesus as Messiah was and is so important. Matthew takes great care in his opening to his gospel in spelling it out for us, highlighting very clearly that Jesus is the Messiah, one that God's people had been longing for, the one who's come to bless all nations and has come especially for the outsider. His whole gospel keeps highlighting how Jesus is fulfilling the promises that are there in the Old Testament, the promises that God's people were looking out for to be fulfilled by the Messiah. This means that Jesus has come for us, those of us who are the other nations for whom the one from Abraham would be blessed, those who may often feel like outsiders, left behind or undervalued by others. Matthew go on to make clear that Jesus came to save us from our sin and bring in God's rule and reign. He makes it clear that Jesus is the one and only one who can do that. In verse 21 of chapter one, he says, she'll give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. God's people had been longing for the Messiah's arrival. And I believe each and every one of us longs to know God and we can know him through the coming of God's great rescuer, Jesus. We can know his hope, we can know his forgiveness, we can know his peace and we can know it personally. Calvin in our worship encouraged us to come near to God, knowing that he has come near to us. He's gone a lot further than halfway, a lot further than halfway in coming to our level as the Messiah to meet us. I'm going to invite the band up as we draw to a close. The simple question I've got for us is, are we ready to receive the real Jesus, who we know is historically true, who is from the right family, who came from real parents, who had a really important mission? Are we ready to receive him? Are we ready to receive him with open hearts, joyful hearts, thankful hearts? Again, are we ready to receive him for the first time? Maybe you've never recognized that you need to be forgiven yourself, that you need someone to come and rescue you and restore you to a friendship, to a loving connection with the living God. Are you ready to receive him? As we begin our Advent series here at CBC, let me encourage us to recognize that it's the coming of the Messiah that we celebrate, the promised one that God's people had anticipated, longed for, and I believe each of our hearts anticipates and longs for as well. The one we believe in because he came from the right family line. He came from real parents. He had a really important mission. The one in whom our hopes and fears are met. Through our belief in Jesus, God imparts to heaven hearts, the blessings, to human hearts, the blessings of his heaven. Where meek souls will receive him still the dear Christ enters in. May the real Christ, the promised Messiah, 
enter our hearts again today. Let's pray.